Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Stunt Show here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am Daniel Gordon, son, husband, and one quarter of the amazing Stunt Show team here on the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find the Stunt Show here every Thursday at 8 p.m. As part of this amazing team, one quarter of the time you can find me as I hope to bring you a small taste of the amazing life God has blessed me with, the inspiration I draw from the always entertaining world of sports, and of course, country music. Coming to you live from the Nachum Siegel Studios in what my parents tell me is the historic Lower East Side, and I'm joined by my friend, David. Uh, David, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. We didn't get to talk last month, but... Uh, because you were too busy getting my phone guest on. That but last true. month, I said that you owe me a thank you because this is now, I guess, not, that was one month, but now two months in a row, that I didn't make you schlep to the OU or to Yeshiva University to do my show. This is true. It's It's been a while. We, ha- we have to come up with a stunt show, you know, outside. It's almost time. Almost. So that's the first teaser. Stay tuned for the next stunt, which will be my show in June. More details to follow with Nachum. Uh, so... Uh, if you realize that you'd like more Daniel Gordon, although after tonight I highly doubt that you would like more Daniel Gordon, please email me at daniel at com. Seriously, your honest feedback and comments about the show are welcomed and appreciated, and I hope this show will gain its inspiration and content from you, the listeners. Each month I hope to cover material from the inspirational world of sports, my one-of-a-kind life and perspective, and the deep genre of country music. Tonight, I am joined by a very special guest, and in honor of this special guest, I'm going to play double the music. So for our first song, here's the 1952 classic, 20 Tiny Fingers, by the Stargazers. Oh, 20 tiny fingers, 20 tiny toes, two angel faces, each with a turned up nose. One looks like mommy with a cute little curl on top. And the other one's got a big bold spot, exactly like his pop, 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 pop. She put on the light in the middle of the night and whispered, Dear, let's go. He grabbed a sock and called the duck. He told him, Don't be slow. I got her there with time to spare and then I sat on pins. Until the doctor shook his hand and told him, You've got twins. Oh, 20 tiny fingers, 20 tiny toes, two angel faces, each with a turned up nose. One looks like The other one's got a big bold spot. Exactly like his pop, 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 pop. We've got cribs and bottles and bibs all round our three-room flat. No time to see what's on TV. No room to hang your hat. We're on the run. We're never done. It's like a steeplechase. They came in and they took over like they own the place. Oh, twenty tiny fingers, twenty tiny toes. The other one's got a big bold spot. Exactly like his pop, 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 It's twice the laundry. Twice the milk. It's twice the baby clothes. It's double this. And double that. Oh, how the money goes. But now you see they both agree when all is said and done. We've got twice the blessings and we've got twice the fun. Oh, 20 tiny fingers. Tiny toes, two angel faces, each with a turned up nose. One looks like mommy with a cute little curl on top. 
And the other one's got a big bald spot. The other one's got a big bald spot exactly like his. If you didn't figure it out by that song tonight, my guest is very special because he is my identical twin brother, Aaron. Aaron Gordon is an outsourced risk manager and insurance agent with expertise in property and casualty insurance, risk management consulting, and captive management. He works in our family's boutique insurance agency and consulting firm, Gordon Companies, also known as I. David Gordon Associates, Inc., which has been providing insurance and risk management services coupled with top-quality customer service for over 45 years. I am one satisfied customer. In the past five years, he has worked with medical providers, jewelers, real estate developers, and a variety of small businesses within the insurance industry. Some typical clients include large medical centers, aging care facilities, ambulatory surgery centers, large wholesale and retail jewelers, as well as New York real estate professionals. Aaron received his bachelor's degree from the Yeshiva University Sai Sim School of Business and is a licensed property casualty broker in New York and over 40 states across the U.S. I don't believe that includes Hawaii. He is also a member of the Professional Liabilities Underwrite, Liability Underwriters Society, also known as PLUS. He was a two-time finalist and a one-time runner-up in the Dr. William Schwartz Business Plans Competition at Yeshiva University Sciascium School of Business, business through the Ingeborg and Ira Leon Rennert Entrepreneurship Institute. He specializes in entrepreneurial consulting and has volunteered as an insurance advisor for a variety of organizations, both Jewish and not, and specifically following the devastation of Superstorm Sandy. Aaron lives in Queens, New York, with his wife, Michelle, and his most and our family's most important possession, his daughter, Sima. Welcome to the show, Aaron. How are you? I'm great, especially after that intro. Thanks for that. I never saw your bio before you sent it to me today, but uh, if the contest between me and you, the first contest that we're going to talk about today is who has the longer bio, um, it's you. Well, I have the longer bio, but you have the longer title, and your title has more dashes, commas, periods, and adjectives in it, so I guess you win one all. Well, you know what it says on the internet, which means it is true. The longer your bio is, the less you do at work, and the longer your title is, the more you do at work. Uh, okay, I'll accept that. Speechless. Okay. Well, um, Aaron, I, before we really get into the nuts and bolts of the interview, um, I wanted to do something, uh, especially with Mother's Day around the corner. Um, I wanted to do something that I was inspired to by the song, um, and something that you and I often enough don't do, and that is express our gratitude to Mommy and Daddy. So who I hope are listening. So, to our parents, Mommy and Daddy Gordon, thank you. Thank you for putting up with our 20 tiny fingers and 20 tiny toes, all the ones that were there, whole, and all the ones that were broken. Thank you for doing twice the laundry and buying twice the clothes. Thank you for giving us all you had for the last 25-plus years. We hope you've at least had twice the fun and twice the blessing. We love you. Thank you, Mom. Thanks, Dad. Uh, Thanks for putting up with me eight hours a day now and for giving me the paychecks. Well, I, I mean... So let's start with that before we even get into twins. So you work in our family business, um, and what is that like for you, um, just from the perspective of working in a family business, whether it's working as somebody who you know that I know, you know, we hear stories all the time that you go around with mommy and daddy, and they talk all the time about, oh, you must be David Gordon's son, you must be Goldie Gordon's son. What's it like uh, to work in the business with them? Well, I'll tell you an interesting about our business, and then I guess it will lead us to what it's like to work in a family business, and that is, as you know, most of our clients come from a personal relationship that we've developed. We, One of our core philosophies is that we've never really marketed ourselves. Our product speaks for itself and our customer service speaks for itself. So most of our clients are friends that our parents met through the community, friends of ours who then their parents ended up contacting our parents or a lot of people that have known our parents since well before you and I were born. So it's weird when someone calls like last week and says, hey, I'm so-and-so, who is this? First they think, you know, I'm our older brother who uh, did a, 
worked in the firm for a short period of time. And then they say, oh, Aaron, aren't you one of the twins? I think I saw a picture of you from first grade in your mother's office one time. Those pictures other. are still there. Right. They're still there. So so it also leads to another awkward moment when people come in for a, a serious business meeting and they walk into either mom or dad's office. And I walk in inevitably two minutes later and like, wait, aren't you that guy in the picture? And so it's, it's a good icebreaker. But And then working in a, just to answer your question um, about working in a family business in general, it's everything that everyone tells you it's going to be and more. Uh, the highs are really, really high and really awesome. Um, and it's great to be with our parents every single day. It's, I get to spend time with my parents that I consider invaluable. Uh, two weeks ago, I traveled for two days with our father to Chicago, and that was a lot of fun. We take long road trips together. But uh, it also, you know, working for your parents is still working for your parents, and we have a small office of six people, and two of them are my parents. Enough said. Uh, and uh, But the other thing that uh, at least Daddy talks about a lot is because Daddy – and mommy have built this business up uh, a lot, and that's uh, Goldie and David Gordon for all those you out there. For all you out there, um, and you can read more about the company at GordonCompanies.com. Is that correct? That is correct. It's my homepage on my computer, so I, I don't. I never need to type it in. Thank you. We appreciate that. Uh, Mine is why you daddy do. Great. Thank you. I, I, I'm glad that we're each scratching each other's back here. Um, but one thing is that daddy and mommy have worked very hard to build up the business, and while that seems to put some pressure on you, it also must give you great. Um, Hana'a, we'll talk about a little bit more family values later on in the show with the country song, but the kind of Hana'a gives you to see that you're taking this into the next generation um, and really doing something for you know our family history and destiny. Someone told me a great statistic uh, that I guess plays into your comment, and that is that apparently, and I have, no, I have not found any source for this, but apparently when Citibank started doing business loans, so they had, the, they had a philosophy about who they would give loans to. First generation, they almost always gave at least a small loan to because they figured the person was motivated enough to let the business succeed. When the business got to its second generation, they figured, well, this person grew up at the kitchen table with this with the person who was so motivated, who was successful in generation one. When they come for us for more money, when they come to us for more money, we'll give it to them because this person has the motivation to continue what their parents do. However, in generation three, they almost never gave them money. Because they said that this person really sees, has a business that's been around for many, many years. Is there in their third decade? They didn't see the, the second generation is inevitably less motivated than the first because they start with some sort of a structure. You know, as, as Dad always says, you start on third base, it's much easier to get to home. Whereas when you start with three, two strikes against you and, you know, it's the bottom of the ninth with two outs, it's much more difficult to get your start. So I will say it's great and I, I get so much enjoyment from what I do, not only because of what we do, but also because, again, as I said, I get to work with our parents. But it's also a lot of pressure. You know, no one wants to be that G2 that fails and shuts down the business. G2. So for all you G2ers tours out there, um, you can contact Aaron to talk about this and other things at Aaron at GordonCompanies.com. That's A-A-R-O-N at G-O-R-D-O-N-C-O-M-P-A-N-I-E-S.com. So what is the biggest misconception about insurance that you find people have? I think the biggest misconception about insurance is that it's a commodity. It's a product. It's not anything of value other than what you'll get out of it if for the common occurrences. So a good example is someone thinks that, well, a young couple, why do I need renter's insurance, let's say, for the small, the small apartment that we have? We're just starting out and we just have our wedding gifts. Well, that's great. If you think that, first of all, the $40,000 or so of property that you may have is you can is easily replaceable, but there's also a second part of most insurance policies and especially homeowners or renters policies, and that's the liability end, which is the damage to a third party or damage to someone who's not yourself. So that can be a fire starting completely by accident in your apartment and then 
damaging someone else's apartment or water damage or your toilet leaking and damaging someone else's. Or as I say, you know, unfortunately, I deal in the God forbid scenarios. That's how we work. We don't. I hope it's the worst investment you ever make, but when people total their cars, when people's homes are destroyed, they call us first. So a God forbid scenario is a lot of people, especially in the young from world, have a lot of books or svarim. And so you have a young child crawling underneath your svarim shelf, and the worst case scenario, the shelf falls on them. Um, it could be your best friend, and they'll probably litigate because their life was effectively ruined, and you don't have the asset. So we're more in the asset protection business than we are in the insurance commodity business. Very interesting. In terms of asset protection, what do you think is the most important insurance? Let's play Family Feud. We surveyed 100 people, you know, first three on the board. What would you say is the most important insurance that people don't have? Well, as I said, I think on the on the personal end, it's certainly people don't factor in the liability. I don't think people have enough liability insurance because I don't think that they realize, especially in the tri-state area, I know that this is a national network, but in the tri-state area, you have – very high settlement values of of legal cases, as as you know, um, as well. So depending upon where you are, you know the the settlement value for a case of water damage or to rebuild a kitchen. If your kitchen leaks onto someone else's kitchen, that could be fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars, depending upon where you live. So I think people underestimate that. And if you're talking on the commercial end, um, I think that one of the big things that's facing us um, is cyber liability, which is personal records um, and hackers gaining access to confidential information. And that's a big one. I went to a two-day sales course on that last year because a common misconception in that is that people don't realize that the government mandates that if there is a possible hack, not necessarily um, any direct damage, but a possible hack, a company is required to notify all of their clients or anyone whose information that they have. So you take your average, even small business, you've contacted a 1,000 people or have a 1,000 people's phone number. And by the way, you have to outsource that. And by the way, it's $60 a record. You're at $60,000 before you drop the, before there's even any litigation. And they may not want to do business with you further after they find that out. Well, these policies actually do have a, have a place for helping your reputation and going after the people who might wrongfully, you know, try to damage your name. But you know, have a good IT person. It actually sounded like I knew what I was talking about when I asked that follow-up question, but I had no idea that that was actually going to lead um, to an uh, to a real um, answer there. Um, and before we get down to the fun stuff, um, a bit of a serious topic, and that is you were involved in helping um, some people, specifically uh, you know young Jewish people and some Jewish organizations um, after Hurricane Sandy. Um, growing Super up Storm in, Sandy. I'm Super sorry Storm to Sandy, you. yeah. Uh, you know, growing up in Manhattan, I remember I, I, I was stuck in Memphis during Superstorm Sandy, which is something we've spoken about on the show. But I remember that growing up in Manhattan, the biggest national, you know, uh, thing that happened or the biggest natural thing that happened, I say not national, was the blackout. You and I were in, I think it was Houston. Houston, um, Texas. That's we, correct. We thought we were going to be stuck there for Shabbos. Um, we ended up getting back and we landed in LaGuardia Airport. There was no conveyor belt. I, don't know if you I was about to say, do you remember that? We were carrying the luggage, and also, if you remember driving back, there was no streetlights, and that was very scary. And people were volunteering to do that. So so that seemed pretty bad, but growing up in Manhattan, you know, that doesn't really affect you. You have some spoiled food. Um, what was it like trying to help people? As you said, you're sometimes the first call, but even for people who didn't call you and when you went out there to interact with people whose lives had just been, you know, seemingly ruined, although hopefully you were able to help them get back on their feet. So first of all, it was devastating. That's the first uh, response And unfortunately, we actually, in most cases, were not able to help the people because a lot of people, especially, as I mentioned, younger couples don't even see the value in the $40,000 or the minimum premiums and in the minimum policies. So it, it was devastating. It was a big eye-opener to me. But I will say, you know, you asked me what's the most shocking thing or what's most the thing that people, you know, undervalue in insurance or in risk management, and that is that 
what I found interesting in the days after Superstorm Sandy was there were a lot of people who were interested in protecting themselves further after the fact. Yes, you know, when your house is underwater, you have a lot bigger problems than worrying about your insurance six months from now, and I completely understand that. But in our office, we created a way to follow up with people who were interested in increasing their coverage or finding out more about protection, and I can tell you that not one of them, after we followed up with them, took that coverage. So you could have someone who was completely devastated by the superstorm, and then they inevitably make a fi- what they think is a sound financial decision. I'm not knocking, you know, God forbid I'm not knocking people's financial decisions that they make because it's everyone's personal life. But for people to say that, you know, for $435 a year, they're not going to protect themselves so that another, I'll give you another perfect example, a misconception that maybe you don't even know about what happens to insurance, but there's a, there's a, just like with auto insurance where there's a rental reimbursement, a lot of insurance policies, especially homeowners policies, will put you up in a hotel. So you might not be in a five-star hotel, but at least when your house has no power because of a covered loss, you'll be in a hotel or at least try it. Again, Superstorm Sandy is a little bit of a, it's a little bit out of the box because a lot of the hotels were full and there was no gas, et cetera, but these are the little things that we kind of try to help people make a more educated decision as to what they're going to do based on, you know, the little intricacies of insurance that a lot of people don't know. That, I mean, that definitely, uh, just listening to the whole thing, it sounds daunting and it sounds, it, it, it even makes it more sad that God forbid something like this could happen or could happen again. I thought you were going to go with the biggest misconception, just to make a little plug for my Yerusha here, um, that the biggest misconception was to not use a broker. And, well, uh, you know, growing up, I saw, I know you saw firsthand, and this has really shaped a lot of, the way you see your business, but we would get a call in our house. My parents would have their their uh, their calls forward, and we would answer the phone, Gordon Residence, because we thought it was cool. And it would be one of our parents' clients whose truck hit something else, whatever. And and our father would go out, and he would meet them on the New Jersey Turnpike, not because there was anything he could really do at that moment. He wasn't going to tow the truck away or do anything, but just to be there with the people and have that personal interaction. That that especially with outsourcing and things like that, is so is missing so much nowadays. So I slept with my phone underneath my pillow for two days, the Saturday night of Hurricane Irene, and then for the two days during and immediately following Superstorm Sandy. I do that every day. Right, I know. So I wasn't going to comment about that. But it, it's interesting because I got a call at about 1 o'clock in the morning, the, sec, the, first, the second night of Superstorm Sandy, and it was a client of ours who called me because the fire department and Con Ed were outside of his house, and the fire department wanted to remove the tree and power line from his house. Um, and he just wanted to know if it was covered by insurance. So I said to him, you know, Mr. So-and-so, can I ask why you're calling me and not just having the fire department take care of it? I believe it's going to be covered, but get a bill and we'll, you know, we'll see what we can do. We can't guarantee anything, especially because when there's catastrophes, there could be, you know, other deductibles that have to do with hurricanes. That's why, it's so, that's why I corrected you about Superstorm Sandy because there's big insurance ramifications in terms of deductibles. There's a standard deductible, which is usually, let's say, $1,000, $2,500 on a loss. And then there's a hurricane deductible or a wind deductible, which could be 2 or 5% of the value of a house. So for someone who has a half a million dollar house, 5% is much more than $2,500. Like I said, I don't know the first thing about insurance. So, so, so it's striking. So this guy says to me, so I said, so what's going on? Why are they there? So he says, well, I was walking into my house and I noticed that the tree was lodged into my roof, but I was going to wait till tomorrow because I wanted to make sure it was covered. So I said, so what made you call me now? He said, well, the fire department came because they noticed that the power line was wedged between the tree and my house and therefore was flickering and they were nervous that my house was going to burn down. I just want to make sure that it's covered by insurance before I have them remove it. So I said, have them remove it. Conet is there. Worry about the insurance later because I think that you know people again get so worried about the those fees and they don't realize if their house goes down, God forbid, you know, there's a lot of other things. That is very insightful. And for more insight from Aaron, uh, they can contact uh, you at Aaron at GordonCompanies.com. That's A A R O N 
at G-O-R-D-O-N-C-O-M-P-A-N-I-E-S. So enough with the serious, um, the, the real heavy stuff. Let's get down to, I think, what everyone um, is hoping that we talk about, and that is our lives as twins. doesn't seem that interesting to us, but to everybody else it seems to be that way. And um, just just to give everybody a little bit of a sense of what it's like to grow up, I was going to do this whole show in reverse but I didn't know if you were going to be able to. I was going to have you host the show and see if anybody noticed. I, I don't think they would notice. I mean, our voice is a little bit different, but our mannerisms, our personalities are exactly the same. So okay, for all of you that think that I'm a famous radio show host and I don't acknowledge you in Midtown Manhattan or anywhere else where I see you, I apologize. I'm the twin brother, but I will still sign autographs on Daniel's behalf. So that is actually – that leads me to one of, the, one of the things I wanted to talk about, and that was today I had a meeting – um, two Yeshiva University alum, uh, you know, member uh, alumni came into my office. They whatever they want to get into a business um, relationship with YU. So they said to me, "I think I was in your class." And I said, "Well, I only took like three business classes, and you guys majored in international business and in marketing. You must have been with my twin brother." So they said, "I don't believe you." So I said, "I'm not just. This is not just a cover-up." Good thing we just took that picture. Yeah. So exactly. So we just took a picture on Sunday um, for I think whatever the occasion was for mommy and daddy's uh, anniversary, and we're gonna make an album for them. So I take the picture out and I show them and they actually believe me. So I think that, you know, we are very similar and yet very different. So what I want to touch upon today is really the seemingly same but different things um, and maybe to, uh, you know, to touch on some of our favorite moments. Um, so the first thing is something that these students raised and, and this is something that I've thought of an answer to. I don't know if, if you agree, but they asked me, is it true that you can feel each other's pain um, and do those things? Do you remember when you broke your arm in uh, what, third or fourth grade? I do. I do. Can I can I finish the story? Yeah, you can finish, can I finish the story. story um, we were in fifth grade. It was not fourth. We were in fifth grade. It was about May of fifth grade, and I fractured my arm very very badly. Um, and I remember when I arrived from the gym to the nurse's office with this weird splint that the gym teacher had made. Up to the nurse's office, they put me in a wheelchair because I couldn't really walk because of shock. And about three minutes later, maybe it was five. I tend to exaggerate, so I apologize. Um, you walked in with a stomach ache, I believe. Which is weird. So the question is. Did those things have something to do with each other? And nobody knows except for God. But my so can so we the, t- can we tell another story? You know, we're, no, we're going to get to plenty. So okay, the, the reason I'm thinking of that is because the students said to me, "Do you have like ESP or something, or do you?" And I said, "No." I said, "What well, I think the answer is that you just that that twins, especially identical twins, especially people like us who grew up doing similar things, just know each other very well." So the parallel that that I gave them was: imagine when you see a couple that's married for. God willing, 50 or 60 years, so they're finishing each other's sentences. That's not because they have ESP. They, they go to a restaurant, and they know exactly what the other person would have ordered on the menu. They, they know exactly how a person would have reacted. So it's, it's not that I know necessarily that you've told me what you like or don't like. It's that I've seen growing up every movie that you saw, every TV show, every Nick game, every Jet game, so I know what kind of, you know, what you like and what you don't like. We've spent way too many hours together. I think. Do you think? Do you, is, is that good analysis? Am I going to get out of scumma? I think. I think that's definitely on point. But I do think that there, there has to be something. Again, I am not a scientist. I tried to avoid science in college. We took a class together. Actually, we took a summer class. We drove every day uh, to take our science class. But I don't know the science. But I will say that there's a, just another story. Just to, because we love stories. There. There was a, apparently. I don't remember. But legend has it. Legend has it. Our mother always says, "Hi, mom." That. There was a night in which I couldn't sleep, and I woke her up about four or five times in a frantic, Daniel is sick motion, and Daniel was fast asleep across the bedroom. And um, finally, after like the fourth or fifth time, she woke you up, and then you said, she said, how do you feel? You said, you feel fine. We were three or four years old at the time. 
and then, you know, just leave me alone. I want to go back to sleep. Anyone who's tried to interrupt Daniel Gorn in the middle of his sleep can understand what I'm talking about. The person who's done that the most is you with your sleep talking. Right. So that, that is correct. Again, something I can't attest to. I can't, you know, ver- I, can, I can confirm, neither confirm nor deny. But, um, so then apparently I keep waking her up and then legend has it that she woke you up and then finally because I convinced her she took your temperature even though you theoretically thought you were fine and then it was 102 viewer. So nobody can explain that. We have, uh, Faces turning here in the studio. They're shocked at the legend that is the, the Gordon twins, but my mother, um, our mother, will verify any one of these stories. Do, do you remember there was one time when we were in Camp Morashat? This is great. This is going to turn to twin stories the whole time. You're not going to get to any of your material. There was a, one time we were in Camp Morashat. This was going to be my favorite story. I was going to ask you oh. your favorite story. So, so let me tell the story. I Go believe ahead. that the story that Aaron's going to tell is Aaron and I are actually a really interesting scientific anomaly, and that is that we are biologically identical, and yet Aaron, we're just anomalies in general. Yeah, we're just, exactly. Um, and, and yet Aaron, uh, and, and yet we are what are called identical mirror twins. That means that we're identical and yet many things happen exactly opposite. So for example, um, just, just to plug another crazy story, one time we went to the dentist before we got braces and we had to have four teeth pulled. And I, I believe I went in first and I got the four teeth pulled and my right, my upper right tooth that was being pulled had a very long root and it took them a very long time to pull out and it was painful and I had to go into the dentist. The next thing I know, so I come out, then Aaron goes in, and I'm sitting out there playing Sega Genesis, and it was taking forever, and I'm loving it, playing Sonic. And the next thing I know, the doctor calls mommy, the dentist calls mommy in and says, you will never believe it, the craziest thing. The reason that this one took so long is because Aaron's tooth had a very long root, and the doctor, the dentist, put both teeth on the uh, like tool uh, sheet, and the roots were exactly the same length. They were elongated exactly the same amount. Just because I love you, I can say that I, I do remember, sorry, I don't remember if it was four teeth, but I will say that they do say that our hairline roots were supposed to recede at the same time, just on opposite sides. You're definitely winning that one, brother. Whatever. Yours are definitely getting, yours are definitely, mine are longer than yours. Yours are going much further So back to my favorite story. We were at Camp Morsha. Um, this is a great story, and, and I want to give, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give extended plugs to all of my old friends and, uh, and colleagues and counselors and people. I want to thank you all for being such good sports throughout our lives and for putting up with us specifically to Rabbi Storch who is at DRS now. I, I doubt you're listening. I start if you're listening. Shoot me an email, daniel at nachamseal.com. Uh, we were at uh, Camp Morris Shah. We were playing uh, basketball. I was I was playing in a league game. Um, and, oh, so to tie it all in, I'm a righty and Aaron's le- a lefty. So uh, we're at Camp Morris Shah. I'm playing in a league game, and it's halftime, and I go back to the bunk to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, yeah, Aaron, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't really want to go back to play. So he's like, I'll play for you. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'll go back in. So I was wearing a, I will never forget, I was wearing a Hanes white t-shirt. We had the same exact sneakers. Red shorts. And I took off the red shorts and I handed them to Aaron and Aaron went back in the game. So there he, he goes in. Nobody really realized anything, the whole thing, except in the middle of the game, Aaron threw a left-handed pass too. Do you remember? I do not remember, but I remember what happened next. Okay. So I threw the pass. Aaron threw a left-handed pass to Josh Zellman, a friend of mine. Josh Zellman, if you're out there, shoot me an email, DanielNachamSeal.com. Josh Zellman, you know where I live. You live in my old apartment. You can call anytime. Enjoy. That was that was Sima Shoshana's second apartment. I first believe. apartment. First apartment. So that's very important to us, Josh. I'm in Mazel Tov on the recent birth of your son. Uh, so anyway, so Aaron throws the pass with his left hand, and Josh Zellman goes, wait a second, that's not Daniel, that's Aaron. And so went the prank, and Rabbi Storch. What happened next? The reason I brought up Rabbi Storch was because he, he suspended us from leagues after that. I, I believe that there was a, there was a double tech thrown out, and then I think my game was next, and I think I was suspended. There was something that went down there, but, uh, you know. It was, it was all in good fun. It was definitely worth it, for sure. It was definitely worth it because at least we got another story um, for this. If you have a twin story that you would like to share with me, email me at daniel at com. If you have a twin story or a question for us, um, 
email me at danielnachamsteel.com and Aaron and I will try to get back to you um, at some point. So we, we just covered a lot of stories. Do you have a favorite story? I, I was just thinking of something else. I'll, I'll, I think I'll get to a story in a second, but you, you know the weirdest thing that we do together? Before I had a beard, remember when we used to go to the airport and you give people like your passport? Huh. The, these people cannot figure out the idea of the twins. There was one lady, remember once in JFK, we were going to Florida and she said something like, wait, you guys have the same birthday. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, the great thing is that I could probably take your idea, or you could take my ID, or I could take yours, and you know nobody would know um, because we look so similar. So if I'm ever planning on speeding, I'm just going to take your ID, and we'll see about who gets the points on their license. Have you have you run your license yet? I think I have an extra copy of yours. Oh wow, um, mommy, daddy, Aviva, those were not. That was not me. I told I'm, you. I'm trying to think of a favorite story. It's really hard because you know it's interesting. People, I think we remember a lot more of these things because so many things happen in. Uh, in our lives, you know, yes, we're only 25 years old going on 26, but it's just weird because I'll tell you a good twin story. You know that Sima Shoshan is almost two and almost two years ago when she was born on 613. That's right. Um, there's an app. There should be an app for that. Yeah. There should be an app for that to, if your kid was born on 613. But anyway, so the, apparently the doctor that delivered us as children, you know, mom's doctor, we were there, we were, we were his first twin. We were his first twin births. He was he was a young uh, uh, obstetrician. I don't know how that makes me feel because I was second coming out, but okay. Right, no, no, it's good. Right, right. So, so, and he says something like, so, so I, I kind of like tried to find him, in, uh, in, the hospital. I didn't end up finding him. He actually went stopped by um, my wife's room and, you know, saw Sima before she was named Sima. But all the nurses got a kick out of this idea. And I think you came a couple nights, and people, people, it's amazing. People really get a kick out of the twin thing. It's, it's much more common now. You know, see that story? There was someone in the, in the Midwest who had the, even the only twins that are more rare or rarer. I don't know. What's the English word? More rare. More rare than us. Do you know that? No. Do you know about this? Apparently, it's one in like five million sets of even identical twins that they have quadruplets, but they're identical. Did you see the story? So four of the same? Four, because what happened was they went to, they went for the, the first checkup. There was one, you know, egg there. And then they go for the second one. It's split. So the doctor says, you know, congratulations, you're having twins. And those two split. And then they go back at the, for the third appointment and there's four in there. So it has to be identical. That is crazy. Can you imagine being that guy? And could you imagine four Gordon twin triplets? For, for the sake, for the sake of humanity. For the sake of everybody, including more Randy Wartelski, who we just saw. And, uh, more Stacey Siegel. I was gonna say, thank I, God. I hope that, I hope that Maura Stacey listens to this because she was our teacher. I, I don't wanna say We were that, her first set of twins. Right, I don't wanna embarrass her, but it was a long time ago. And, uh, it was a long time ago when she was our teacher. And she really put up with a lot. I mean, I don't even remember a lot of nursery, but I can just imagine what we probably put her through. And we couldn't even, we, there weren't even separate classes. Remember, after her class, we split up. So it was really only half of us because, you know, Ramaz wouldn't let us be in the same class. But her class, she really, it's pretty bad. Yes, yeah, especially, you know, all my teachers loved that they had me. Um, they always said at the I, legend, another legend is that at Ramaz every year when they would split up the Gordon twins, the ones that got Daniel would celebrate and the ones that got Aaron would say, oh. Did okay. you hear that exact opposite story? No. Oh, I thought you heard that. Oh. I was thinking, you keep saying these legend things, you know. Eventually somebody's going to believe them, <laughs> although the first story was true. Um, so another question about being a twin. What do you think? Um, I've written down all my answers. What do you think is the most common question? You receive as a twin. Wait, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Can, can we do something fun? Sure. You wrote down your answers. Can we? Can, can we get some? I want to make sure that you're not repeating what I say. Can we? I just I just handed Aaron a piece of paper and David will be the witness. So no, no, why gonna, is it? No, did you write down your answers? No, no, no we're gonna write down. Don't worry about it. Okay. We're gonna write down our answers. 
and we're going to write down the most common question, okay. and we're going to write down what is our favorite question. So again, and if you are a twin out there, email me at daniel at nachumsegel.com. At daniel at nachumsegel.com. Does it have to be two separate um, questions? It has to be. Oh, no, no. It could be the same question. Okay. Um, and so again, daniel at if you have a twin thing. So Aaron, you can go first. What is the most common question you receive as a twin? Do you ever think that you are Daniel? And I wrote over here, do you ever think you are the other? Or do you ever wake up in the morning and think that you're your brother? Or look in the mirror and wake up in the morning and think you're your brother? I gotta say, so David, that, David, who I just met, who I who I really like, by the way, good guy. He's he's shocked by this turn of events. I'm guessing it was your question. So that was my favorite question. Favorite question. See that? I said the most common was, what's it like being a twin? Okay, I mean, I I, I thought I thought it was gonna be right. I thought you were asking like about us specifically, not. I, I mean, I think we both have the same response. What's is, it like being a twin? What's it like not being a twin? So everybody out there, Daniel and NachumSiegel.com, what's it like not being a twin? David, do you want to tell us what it's like to not be a twin? Or you don't even know how to answer that question because like all the questions we get, we have just no idea how to respond. I'll tell you an interesting thing, and I would love to hear feedback to your email address. Please send me anyone who responds to this question in particular. And that's, you know, we had an interesting social thing happen to us when we were um, in ninth grade. And that was the summer after ninth grade was the only time in our lives that we were apart for the summer and it was the first time in our lives that we were actually apart do you remember this yeah you, you know where i'm going so you were you were on iba america and i was on Ahu west and it was this weird thing that happened to me because we never at least i didn't and i think you'll agree never had to have a conversation starter never had to be like normal social human beings because people always said something like oh you guys are the twins wow that's awesome and then all of a sudden all these people want to talk to you even by the way most of them probably didn't like us after that, after like the first conversation. But then when you go out on your own and people, obviously people knew, you know, from school and whatever that I was a twin or knew who you were and knew who I was. But it's weird being the first time that you're by yourself and you have to like make a friend. And you don't have that that automatic kind of in with people, which is wow, you're a twin. Because people, if if, if your twin's not around, they don't care that you're a twin. I'll give you a perfect, my my physical right now. I'm in physical therapy. I'm rehabbing my hip. People are same surgery as A Rod from the same surgeon. Right, that same surgeon, same. That surgeon. was my sports announcer voice. That's true, right? So, so, so these my physical therapists are are intrigued. We were talking about this this morning about the fact that I'm an identical twin, and I'm, and it's weird because all I have to say is, hey, you know, I'm Aaron, and I'm an identical twin, and that's a. Can I tell a dating story? Well, one second. I just want to add to one thing, but we we can tell a dating story after. What I was going to say is the add-on to that summer is not only do you never have a conversation starter, but I think socially the pressure to make friends is less because you have one. You have a friend 100%. automatically. When you go to camp and everyone else is nervous on the bus, who are they going to sit next to? So either you could sit next to somebody else or you could sit next to your twin brother who's already a friend built in. So I think those are the two things. That's assuming that, that's assuming that at that very moment I wanted to be friends with you. Correct. But most of the time under those pressures, we, we, we decided – I'm blanking on the fancy word – but we decided that it would be better to have a friend than to risk not having a friend and fall to some of the social pressures that others do. Well, I'll, I'll, and this is another great aspect about being a twin. The best thing about being a twin when, when – you know, thank God we're both married and very happily married at that. But when we were – when I was dating – so I, I think you will agree with this. It's always good to have the fact I'm an identical twin in your back pocket. Oh, you hold it late on the you first it, date. You, uh, first date, you hold it late because you know that if there's ever that quasi-awkward silence, you can just drop the I'm an identical twin – Automatic. So for those twins out there, save it. When you go out and date, save it. Save it. So I'm on this date, right? I pick up this girl, and I, the vibes just weren't there. So, but you know, I, I, we go to Starbucks. It was terrible. She, she spilled all over. Her, she spilled her drink. It, it was just, it was a disaster date. But I now, like three minutes into the date, she's not talking. This conversation's not going. Away. I have to pull out the I'm an identical twin. 
And for the first time in my life, I said, yeah, you know, she like, asked about my siblings. So I said, yeah, you know, like I have you know, an older brother, you know, my parents live in New York, whatever. And, and I have an identical twin, Daniel. No response. What do you do? To, what do you do with that? Twenty-three years. You've been you've been you've been noticing that people think it's the coolest thing that you're an identical twin. No response. So first of all, anyone who doesn't think I'm cool or funny, she was gone. But <laughs> she was cut from the team. But can you imagine? Can you, that that, can, never, that, that definitely that, never happened. That's to you. never happened to me because I say I'm Aaron's twin and they say that's awesome. Right. <laughs> that's how it goes. Um, so speaking of that, because you don't, I don't, I, I don't know if you get the vibes. From here, but there is a lot of competition between us. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about that because that's also a common question that we get is what is it like in terms of competition and what is it like um, in terms of other things? And that leads us also to m- one of the topics that I promised to cover, and that's sports. So um, I'm going to give a couple minutes, a, a couple seconds or a couple thoughts about my thoughts on competition, and then I would love to hear yours. The first is that uh, although many times it's negative, it can also be used as positive. Um, for all of our teachers out there and to our parents who are listening, you know that we were not the best students, but certainly when I knew that Aaron was doing better than me in math class, that gave me incentive to study harder. And when I knew that Aaron, and sometimes competition is, is not good, but certainly when I knew when we played Maccabi, which was one of the few times we played sports together, because we were usually split up because everyone thought that we were even, um, but that will let you know the, the NBA Basketball Hall of Fame decide one time. But we, uh, you know, I would fight to play those extra minutes because I knew that you were going to get those minutes instead of me. So I think the competition usually is seen as a bad thing, but can also be used as a good thing. Great competition was always great. Um, never it was never a motivating factor for me in my education. I, unfortunately, unfortunately, and I say this, mom, dad, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Unfortunately, and I, I am, you know, I was in college. You know, it actually worked out because in college we. You were in the, uh, you know, you were a political science major, and I was in the business school, so we really there wasn't so much competition, but it was never really a motivating factor. But it reminds me of another great story. Just this is a quick one. Do you remember when we were in seventh grade? We had a math teacher who, the first day of class, came in. This is at a certain point we were allowed to be in the same class for classes that were graded that were based on you know different levels of that subject. So for instance, English and history were not that way, but math was because math there are different levels of math, and. I will, we, will, we will not mention the teacher's name, but anyone from our Ramaz class who remembers, please email us just to tell us you were there. Um, I sat in the back right. Daniel sits in the front left the first day. Um, I think he was the last one in because he would never sit in the front. And the teacher says something akin to, okay, I just finished taking attendance. Now I know. Aaron's in the back right. Daniel's in the front left. Okay, I'll never mix you guys up. So, of course, you know, the next day. Too easy. Spoon too, fed. Too easy. Don't, don't spoon. One, one rule. If you ever see us on the street, don't spoon feed the easy stuff to us. We will, we will we'll take knock it, it out of the park. We will take it around. But I'll tell you a good thing about competition. You know, I, I will say that, thank God, we were both very good basketball players. Some, one of us more um, decorated of an athlete in um, records, wins, championships, and the like. Um, no competition. No competition. The other one was a more prolific scorer. That would be you. But um, we always worked out together. I mean, we used to play full court one-on-ones. Till and like, they were very even. It I took mean, a long time to get to 21. Because till the end. I mean, it was it was till the end, and there was there was blood a lot of times. There was a lot of good stuff going there, but it really it worked out very well for us. So I appreciate all that. And certainly the competition um, never stopped on the sports um, on the, in, in the sports arenas. It was video games, it was everything else. But uh, you know, I've gotten almost all my guests' perspective um, on the value of sports because it's something we talk about all the time. So I'm going to ask you the question: What do you think is the value of sports? Why sports? What you know, no matter what's going on in your life, what is the value of sport growing up as an adult um, and all those other things besides physical health? I think that in life, no one is an island unto themselves. I don't remember who said that, but there's – did I just make that up? 
That was very profound. I don't think did. that no one's an island artist. And in, in life, team everything requires teamwork. That's all of our relationships um, in business, in you know personal relationships, par- you know being a parent, being a child, being a sibling, being a friend. The value of teamwork is there is it's invaluable. There, there is no way to quantify working on a team, and there's also no way to quantify. And I think that there's something. This is something for younger kids to get a you know a little bit of a. I guess it, it's this is more quantifiable, and that is that success, the feeling of success, is something that when you when you get bit by the bug of success, you say, "Listen, I'm, I, I was a great athlete. I, I played sports. I had the teamwork. I'm going to work with my team now as, as a professional, and I'm going to try to win." Now, winning doesn't mean, at least in my business, you know, I don't look at a win as defeating the competition, but working towards a goal with a team is something that you can't you can't really get outside of sports. And I think there's no better example. Um, it's crazy how you led me into that, but there's no better example than ESP than learning Torah. That's it. Because one of the opportunities that Aaron and I shared when we were at Yeshiva's Torah Traga together from Fadir was that we were Chavrusas. And I was going to say that that's where competition kind of ended because it allowed each one of us to shine on a given day to help the other one with, and, and, and vice versa. So what's interesting, and I think that is that is that both as that team, but as siblings, we were able to grow and to achieve things together that we never would have been able to achieve on our own, and that each one shining and being quote unquote the star at different times, and the other one being you know kind of being carried along because each day you need that. A hundred percent. And there's actually something that we haven't mentioned, or someone in particular we haven't mentioned in the show so far, and I just want to touch on that. And that is we have an, you know, we have an older brother. His name is Ben. So I was going to get to that in sports. Okay, good. Because he, you want to talk about competition. Can you imagine being the, well, you know, being the calm, nice guy who did almost perfect straight A's in school, never missed an assignment, the angelic child. And then you get these two delinquent kids who are running around, stealing all the attention and all the things like that. It must have been really tough for him. But... Just to give it the perspective of how great our older brother Ben is. The same thing happened every time my parents came home from parent-teacher conferences. They would go to parent-teacher conferences. They would never inevitably be on the same day for the two of us and for our older brother. And we would wake up in the morning and there would be signs that daddy would print with the quotes. He would write them down, the quotes of what the teachers would say about Ben. So it would say, fantastic, amazing student, very hard work ethic. And then there would be no signs about us. So we would come out in the morning and mommy would have us drinking our milk that we would inevitably pour down the sink. Thanks, Ben, for drinking all that milk for us, brother. And I would say, and we would say, where are our signs? Mommy would say, oh, you're, when you get home from school, you're going to eat dinner, you're going to do your homework. And then we're going to have a conversation. Right. I mean, but I'm saying he, you know, I would love to see him. I don't know how many more shows you have left. Is there a season for radio or is this a, is this a 52 no, weeks a year? No, this is, this is 52 weeks a year. We're going to see, you know, we're going to, we're still in the works again. We have a very exciting stunt planned for June. I haven't even told you about it. It's a big secret. So, so let me ask we'll see about planning. Let's, 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 let's try to work. If it's possible, I would love to bring Ben in one day and I'll come back, but I'd like him to be your really, I, I would just like to come I'm along. I'm afraid of that. I would like to come along for the ride. And I would, I'll just sit and answer, you know, a couple, but I would like to, you know, Ben, I, I hope you'll be listening to this. You don't have to give us your feedback because you can just call us. But for all of you that are listening out there who are siblings of twins or parents of twins that have another sibling um, in the family, I, I would just say that those siblings take a lot of the heat because they don't get the attention. Um, they didn't have all the, you know, the luck of people chasing them around to, you know, tell them how cool they were. But we have a really cool older brother. And uh, I want to thank him, in addition to our parents, for putting up with us all the time. Yeah, thank you um, for that. So speaking of parenting, we only have a few minutes left. Speaking of parenting, can you – I'm not a parent yet, so you're going to answer all these questions. Can you imagine if you had twins? No. 
No, that was the quick, quickest answer. I silenced Aaron Gordon for the first time in a Gordon Twins career. Right. We were silenced. There is absolutely no – well, I'll say this. I don't believe that – and I, I say this you know, half-jokingly because I have to preface with that. I don't believe that having children and bringing, you know, continuing cholesterol is an, is an investment in which you want exponential growth. Uh, whatever God blesses me with, please God, or our family with, um, I will definitely take with open arms. Um, but – I will just say that what dad always says about the day that he found out that he was having twins, apparently, again, this is in Gordon legend, but heroes get remembered and legends never die. So the Gordon legend is that our mother finds out that she's having twins and she's really excited and she calls our father who's in a meeting and she says something like, David, guess what? We're having twins. And he says, no, we're not. And she says, oh, no, it'll be fine. He goes, no, it won't. And to this day, he'll say it it definitely wasn't fine. It was a lot of fun, um, but I cannot... Imagine. I mean, I can tell you, you know this. I have changed a lot of diapers. I'm not one of those fathers that will not change a diaper, that will not be involved in those kind of things. There is no way I could have done double. No way. 20 tiny fingers and 20 tiny toes. No way. No way. There's there's 10. 10, brother. So that's most interesting because it's actually a dream of mine. Again, like you said, only only a Kaddish Baruch Hu um, decides those things, especially identical twins are actually, you know, just a fluke. That's what we've been told our whole lives. Um but the reason that I think, and maybe I'm going to turn your mind, change your mind around a little bit, is that people have always asked us what's it like being a twin and things like that. And I've heard that a lot of parenting is from your experience, not at the age that Sima Shoshana is. She's very young, but as they get older, it's a lot about your experience. And although our parents were great, they could not possibly fathom or understand what it was like to be a multiple. They cannot understand the competition. No way. Like not worth it. Those- You're not changing. I want to hear your opinion, but I just want you to know. You will not change me. Based so on my this. opinion is that I think I have, since I am a giving, dedicated, um, you know, just just a person who loves to give himself to others, <laughs> yeah. like double mint, double the freshness, double the fun. But to say I think I have double what to give to those to children who would be twins because I can draw from my experience. Well, well let me let me ask a question about that. You know, there, there's this common question, especially you know in modern times, and I don't want to get into politics or into you know the legal issues that go on with these things. But, you know, a lot of people who, who come from large families, you know, th- there is a school of thought. Again, I'm not stating my personal opinion either way, that it's very hard to give many children a lot of attention. You know, that there's that theory that then the older kids end up raising the younger kids. And I just want to – to your point, but if you didn't have twins, I'm not saying – again, let me be very clear, and I think I speak for you. I will be very happy if God blesses me with – one, two, three, four, five, six at a time, whatever. I, I don't speak for Michelle. Good luck, Michelle and Aviva. Right. I'm saying, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I certainly don't speak for Michelle, and I also certainly don't speak for Aviva, but there is a thing where you know you can give so much to one child. I mean, there, there's that classic, you know, first older child syndrome. I, I'm a middle child. Do you know how much I suffered? Oh, yeah. Do you know how much I suffered? For all those out child? there, just so you know, we didn't, we, didn't, we didn't get to this. Aaron is four minutes older than I am, and... He used that for everything until it was my turn to shine to sing the Manishtana, and all of a sudden it was, no, we're exactly the same age. I'm a, I'm a middle child, so I really got the, the short end of every stick. I had to share everything with you. Okay, I'm the middle child. I wasn't the oldest. I wasn't the cute young kid, although, again, I don't think anyone would confuse you with the cute young kid. But, you know, it's middle child syndrome. You know, what was it from Full House? What was it that Uncle Jesse tried to convince Stephanie? I don't know. Oh, the middle, oh, you are the, you are the peanut butter and jelly. There's no, what would the sandwich be without the peanut butter and jelly? Middle child, right? That was great. What's the best part of the Oreo? The cream? cream? That's true. There you go. So it doesn't work, though. I'm still the middle child, and, you know, I I hear that. So I think your question was going to be, do I think that there's enough 
of me to give attention to, to, and I think that that's true. I think that there would be, but again, I just think that there's an experience that can be offered. So if you're a parent of twins, um, here's my offer, and I'm going to say our offer because I get to speak for Aaron sometimes. Here's our offer. If you want to talk to us about competition, about our experience as twins, email me at danielnachamsegel.com, and we will set up a time. We love drinking coffee. We'll go to a coffee bean hopefully near you or a Starbucks or something. We'll just come over, and we will talk to you about having twins because I love when I see a parent who has twins. I love having that conversation with them, not because, I mean, for mommy and daddy, it's even more interesting, but for me, it's what can I offer them that I hope will, will, will stay with them as they raise their children. The per- I, I will also, you, don't, you can always speak on my behalf, but I will second that I will definitely speak to anyone who would like to, but I know that our parents will also, at least our mother, our father, again, as I said, didn't think it was fun. And I know he loves us dearly, but he definitely didn't think it was fun. But I will say that um, our parents, I don't know what it's like to be the parent of a twin or of a multiple, but they did a great job. They did an Look at this. Job. We're sitting in the same radio studio. Now, if there's a picture of this, we are sitting a good, you know, five or six feet apart. But uh, that's fine. You know, we're still within arm's reach. We're still within arm's reach, and we're always a text or a call or an ESP away. Oh, always an ESP away. So we're again, actually, we're actually not even away when it comes to an ESP. Yeah, it's just always there. It's always there. 24-7, 365. Exactly. Can't get away from it. That's it. Most, most reliable network, even more than, you know, cell phone providers Verizon. is ESP. <laughs> that was a good line. Um, so my, my last question about parenting um, is going to be, you know, <laughs> I wonder how you feel about this now that you're a parent. But Mother's Day is right around the corner. It's um, three days from now. Um, this is uh, Thursday. And Mother's Day is on Sunday, so it's three days from now. And Or if you're listening to the rebroadcast, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Or if you're listening on the archive on Sunday, happy Mother's Day. But, um, you know, you have had one Father's Day or two Father's Days? Two Father's Days. Um, Simo was born on Monday, and Father's Day was that coming Sunday. Wow, that rocks. Do you remember what you gave me? Nothing. Yes. No, that's not true. It's true. I got a card, and in the card said one free babysitting. I have tried to cash in on that. It expired. At least seven or eight times? It expired. I said when she's out of the diaper stage, you're going to babysit. Done. But um, anyway, so so Daddy has a famous line, and you know what it is. And that is that when whenever we used to you wake up in the morning. want to start it and I'll finish it? When we used to wake up in the morning, we used to say, we're going to do that. So you're going to hear a transition in the middle. Let's see if you notice. We would wake up in the morning, and we would go to Mommy and Daddy on Mother's Day and Father's Day and say, Happy Father's Day. And they would respond, Happy? Children's Day. There's no there's, Mother's Day without children. And there's no Father's Day without children. So now, you used to be a child on the other end. How does that make you feel as a parent? It's 100 percent true. 100 percent. But I will say that Children's Day and Father's Day is every day. That's my fa- that's Daddy's line also. It, re- it really is every day. Now I I just just because David made a, made mention of this, he wanted to know. He kind of like gave this motion like, "What are you thinking right now?" There was this. I'm gonna let it out of the bag, Daniel. I'm gonna let it. Out You're of the gonna bag. let our secret out. This is the secret. I think you know where I'm going. This, I do. The secret is like is this. There there used to be an old scam that we used to pull that people would think that that we could actually to prove our that we were ESP worthy. I would stand or Daniel would stand with his facing a wall with the gym behind him or the field or whatever behind him, and we would theoretically know where the other one was standing to throw the ball to that to that other person. Over our heads. Over our heads. Now, the, I mean... Now, I'll say it was ESP. Right, at that 25. Daniel. That, that Daniel, at, at 25, it, I mean, David's already laughing. It's, it's kind of ridiculous, but the whole thing was, I would say, or the, the thrower would say something like, are you ready? And then the other person would respond, ready... And then, and then our ESP was, and thus it was proven. The Gordon twins scamming for 25 years. That was my sports broadcaster voice again. So, um, yeah, so, so, so the secret is out. And for all you identical twins out there, or even twins out there, or siblings out there, that's our trick. You just use the power of sound. 
to make people think that you have superpowers. But then they would ask us, like, oh, do you know what he's thinking now? What's he saying now? What's he doing now? And we would say, no, 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 the powers so, are just... Sorry, right sorry, now. I'm too tired. Gotta go. Yeah, too tired. I gotta turn. It's, it's, it's not something, you know, it's something that you have to turn on to receive or to give. So, um, anyway, Aaron, I wanted to thank you for being my guest. Um, any closing words? My closing words are, first of all, thanks for having me. I just want to give a shout out for just in case it's on Sunday and that's when Michelle listens to it. Happy Mother's Day to you, Michelle. Happy Mother's Day to mom. And I just also want to say that because I don't think that you're going to mention it, but um, I was the person that introduced you to country music. I will mention that. that, That's a plug for the next segment. I was the one. It was it was an assist by me. It was Rabbi Avery Joel um, threw me to Daniel Country Music, and I cannot wait to hear the next segment. Thanks for having me. So you are welcome. And again, if you want to contact Aaron, it's Aaron at GordonCompanies.com with two A's. And I'm going to read from my script exactly, just so David as my witness. I'm going to read from my script. I'm going to say it's now time for my favorite segment, which is actually inspired by Aaron, who gave me my first country mix when we were in high school. Tonight's song is My Last Name by Dirk Bentley. If you can, stop what you are doing and pause for three minutes and 30 seconds. Take it all in. I will react as always afterwards. I learned how to write it when I first started school. Some bully didn't like it, he said it didn't sound too cool. So I had to hit him. And all I said when the blood came is my last name. Grandpa took it off to Europe to fight the Germans in the war. It came back on some dog tags nobody wears no more. It's written on a headstone in the field where he was slain. My last name Passed down from generations Too far back to trace I can see all my relations When I look into my face May never make it famous But I'll never bring it shame It's my last name Daddy always told me, far back as I recall, son, you're part of something, you represent us all, so keep it how you got it, as solid as it came, it's my last name. When I look into my face I never make it famous But I'll never bring it shame It's my last name So darling, if you're wondering I've got you here tonight I want to be your husband I want you to be my wife 
ain't got much to give you. What I've got means everything. It's my last name. Oh, it's my last name. Yeah. I learned how to write it when I first started school. So why did I choose this song for tonight's show? First of all, although we share so much, at our core, the most important thing that Aaron and I share is our last name. Regardless of how cool it may sound or where it has or hasn't been on a dog tag, my last name represents so much. It represents more than just the nickname I've had my whole life because no one could tell us apart. My last name represents my history and my destiny. My last name represents what Adam, Rachel, Ben, Aaron, and I have, have learned from our parents and what we all pass to our children. I take so much pride every time someone asks me, are you Goldie and David's son? Or when I hear my wife Aviva say to someone, hi, I'm Aviva Gordon, nice to meet you. Because as Dirk Bentley put it, I ain't got much to give you. To my wife, my future children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and the years after that. And to you, the whole world. But what I got means everything. It's my last name. It's who I am and how I became this person. On a more communal level, our last names represent our connection to the Jewish people. Although Dirk Bentley may be the first person to put it in a country song, how often have we all heard, son, you're part of something, you represent us all. Each time we go on a class trip or cut someone off on the highway, we are reminded that we represent the Jewish people. We represent every single one of us, for better or for worse. So tonight's lesson, which I hope we will all take away, is that I hope we never forget who we are, where we came from, what that means, and who we present. And, and who we represent with every single one of our actions. Simply put, I hope we realize what lies behind our last names. You have been listening to The Stunt Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am Daniel Gordon, and as always, thank you so much for making us a part of your evening, week, and month. Coming up next, it's The Book of Good Life with Charlie Harari. Be sure to tune in tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 a.m. on NachumSiegel.com and on 91.1 FM, which will be guest host by my fellow Stunt Show host, Mayor Fertig. And don't miss Saturday Night Seagull, hosted by Avrami Finkelstein, live here on the stream, as well as at NachumSeagull.com this Saturday night at 10 p.m. This show will be rebroadcast Sunday morning at 9 a.m. on the Nachum Seagull Network here at NachumSeagull.com. Tune in two weeks from tonight at this time for the next edition of the Stunt Show with Gorf, Jordan B. Gorfinkel, who will be off the air next week for Shavuos. So to all you out there, an early Chag Sameach. Thank you, David. Always a pleasure working with you. I apologize in advance for the hysteria that will be called, caused by next month's stunt. Thank you to Aaron Gordon for joining me this evening. We have known each other for 25 years and exactly 8 months today on this earth, plus the 9 months we spent getting to know each other in the womb. Add that up, you got a long time with one person, a lifetime filled with laughter and tears, fighting and celebration, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And to, and to, uh, to bother Aaron with your questions and to build my Yerusha, Contact Aaron at Aaron at GordonCompanies.com. That's A-A-R-O-N at GordonCompanies.com. In case you forgot, tonight's special song was 20 Tiny Fingers by the Stargazers, a special tribute to our parents and to all the twin, parents of twins out there. And tonight's country song was My Last Name by Dirk Bentley. Stay tuned next month for a special stunt. Uh, details to follow. Stay tuned on the website. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook for all the details. And listen to the stunt show and to Nachum Siegel's JM in the AM leading up to that. 
Once again, I welcome your honest feedback and comments at Daniel at I hope you have gained something from this hour, and I hope that this show will gain its inspiration and content from you, the listeners. I close this month with the same quote I've used almost every month from the late, great Jimmy Valvano, founder of the Jimmy V Foundation for Cancer Research. There are three things we should all do every day. Number one is laugh. Number two is think. And number three is have your emotion move to tears. Could be happiness or joy, but think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week, you're going to have something special. That's how I try to live my life, and I hope this hour has been as special for you as it's been for me. Stay tuned for the Book of Good Life with Charlie Harari coming up next. See you next month. Goodbye.